What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome into another scintillating Ballsy podcast. I'm Barry Horn, and I'm sitting here in the Ballsy studios with Evan Grant, who is not looking happily. He's back me. from globetrotting. Back from and Kevin Sherrington, who's back from North Dallas. Yeah. And our guest today is Brandon George, who's back from Mobile and the Senior Bowl. Brandon, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. I mean, beautiful Mobile. He's not back from Mobile. He's still in Mobile. You're still in Mobile? No, I'm back. No, I'm he's back. back. Evan, back. keep up, would you? I thought he said he was still in Mobile. No, no, no. He's off this week. Oh, hey, no. uh, hey, give us uh, give us the name of somebody famous from Mobile, Brandon. <laughs> it's our new favorite um, game show. Yeah. Famous people from I Mobile. No I think that, that, let, let Evan do it. I think he can run off a list for us. Amos Otis <laughs> is from Mobile. That's right. I, you know, I'm going to say is the biggest name on that list that you, that you gave us earlier when we were uh, – Studying up for this podcast was uh, is it going to be Hank Aaron? Yeah, the biggest name is Hank Aaron. But this is a Satchel cowboy. Page is pretty but, but big we're a cowboy podcast. I'll yeah. give you a cowboy for Mobile. Who? Sherman Williams, the running back. That's Sherman. Whoa. Yeah, it was Sherman. Sherman. Yeah, not Sherwin. It, it, it was always that temptation to call him Sherwin Williams back then. He painted when he was on the field, boy. He did. Yeah, he was great. He was the only running back the Cowboys drafted in the first three rounds between Emmett. And I believe DeMarco Murray. It was a ridiculous span there where, where Jerry just refused to draft running backs. Same AJ thing. McCarron's from Mobile. Uh, I'm not giving credit for that. Okay. Juan Pierre's from Mobile. All right. Let's, um, Brandon. Yes, sir. So you're back from the Senior Bowl? I am. I'm actually off this week. I figured I'd spend it uh, talking to you guys. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> very wise investment of your time. And so since you're back from the Senior Bowl, I guess we can uh, – who are the Cowboys going to draft? There we go. <laughs> let's get right to, let's good get call. Right to it. Huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's a good question. I, I can tell you this. Uh, I think uh, defensive line is going to be an emphasis for them. Uh, I was talking to somebody. Cowboys people, I think that's you know going to be a, a strong influence. But you know, everybody wants to talk about wide receiver, but look, I don't. It's not a deep wide receiver class. They're picking nineteenth. It's probably not going to. If Ridley would fall to him from Alabama, I think a lot of people would say, "Well, yeah, you jump on that guy." Uh, but you know, it's just I just don't think it's going to be there. And I think you know, I think they will address receiver, but I think it'll be later, later in the draft. Brandon, uh, a couple of things. First of all, when you say it's not a deep wide receiver class, what you mean is that the top of it is very thin, right. and then you come, come down to, and there's a bunch of guys who are about the same, right? Yes, yes. It's kind of, they're kind of grouped there, so yeah. I think they'll they'll be able to get someone later later in the draft. Yeah. When was the uh, you know the the uh, Devin Street was a fifth round pick? Um, was he the <laughs> highest pick that the Cowboys have taken at receiver in the last oh I don't know ten years before uh, uh, back until Dez? 
Uh, maybe right. Well, I think Terrence, wasn't Terrence a third. Terrence Williams. Terrence Williams. Was he a third round draft? Yeah, pick? he was from Baylor. Is that I right? I believe he was a third. third yeah. yeah, he was a third round pick. Yeah, Terrence was a third round pick. So, yeah, Terrence in 2013, third round. Yeah. That's not a lot of to, to spend on uh, wide receivers. So I think one, if you go back and look uh, some of these uh, drafts over the years with the Cowboys, and there were real patterns there. Just I mentioned running backs. There's a you know there was a long period there where they didn't draft any quarterbacks. Um, uh, so it's interesting to me when you when you look at the problems that the Cowboys have. Typically, I think a lot of times all you got to do is just look at the draft. Okay, see what they've done. Are you done? Are you done? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Who did you like? Who who are the defensive line? Well, let me just say this first of all. Okay. There were not there are not. A, were not a lot of guys who were considered high first round draft picks at the Senior Bowl. Were there, Brandon? Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll be a, they won't not they're not high. But, I mean, there's a quarter a couple of the quarterbacks. Obviously, would be uh, the, you know Josh Allen, the Wyoming kid, right. and uh, Baker Mayfield probably go pretty high. But uh, you know, I think they'll be. I think last year they got you know five or six in the first round. I mean, there there's some that stand out. But you know, actually, a couple of Texan uh, kids uh, actually stood out. To, you know, from watching practices and uh, talking to some of the scouts down there, uh, the Will Hernandez, the offensive guard at UTL Paso, uh-huh. 340 pounds. Uh, he was really, really impressive in drills throughout the week. I mean, he was just driving people off the line. I mean, when he's one-on-one drills, no one really could compete with him a lot of times. And then Marcus Davenport, uh, defensive end at UT San Antonio, if you can believe that. I think he's going to go pretty high in the draft. And, did, he, uh, did he start at UT San Antonio? Did he start at UT San Antonio, or did he wind up at UT San Antonio? What do you mean? Yeah, he actually started. started there. He's, just, he's, he's actually a San Antonio kid yeah. and uh, ended up there. He had like I think he uh, said he had some uh, academic issues coming out of school and uh, chose UT San Antonio. Now, the Hernandez kid actually started at UTEP, too, and uh, he also had academic issues coming out of high school. And But uh, he had he had offers from like USC, Arizona State, some of these big schools, and uh, – but uh, ended up going to UTEP. Now, Brandon, uh, you talked about that you think that there's going to be some uh, a defensive alignment, which I think would be would be fine, you know. Uh, but what we've what we've found with uh, Rod Marinelli is that uh, he's not always crazy about taking a tackle, either a, a one technique or a three technique. Uh, he he feels like he can get those guys in, in later rounds. Would you expect? They could do something like that. Would a guy like maybe, let's say, Alabama's Deron Payne, would he be a candidate for the Cowboys at nineteen? I, th- I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I I don't think they're. I mean, if it's if it's a, I think they're really when you look at their all defensive line. I just think uh, it makes more sense to me for them to go more of an elite defensive end if they can find that elite pass rusher as far as the right because you know the right side defensive end is kind of their pass rushing spot and they've moved Tyron Crawford over there really by default and. Uh, you know, he, I think he's better inside. I think, you know, the coaches will tell you that. I mean, they, it, it wasn't like he was bad at the right side, but, you know, it wasn't. he's not that elite-type pass rusher that you want in that spot in their scheme. So I think ideally if they could find that guy in the first round this year or someone that they believe fits that mold, I, you know, I think that's the key spot for the defensive line. Then you can move Tyrone Crawford back inside and use his, continue to use his versatility along the line. But I don't think you can really get that. Uh, you know, an elite defensive end is not going to be. I'm looking at, at two. I'm looking at two different of the eight thousand one hundred and fifty three mock drafts yes, that are currently are. online. Yes. Um, I'm Growing looking at the NFL.com's Lance Zerline's current mock draft, and I'm looking at Bleacher Report's current mock draft. And the first defensive end that they that I see going here anywhere is um, 
Arden Key of LSU going at 22 on one of these. To, really? To Buffalo. And then um, Texas's Malik Jefferson is going 27 in one of them. Yeah, uh, he's a linebacker. What about Bradley Chubb of North Carolina State? Is he there? Uh, Brad, uh, Bradley Chubb is the one guy in the top five, yeah. Okay. But top he's going to go in the top five. Okay. okay. What a good way to call him on that, Barry. Really good job. Now, Davin, is, does Davenport profile as a tackle or a defensive end? No, he's a. Uh, he's an end. He is an end. Okay. So, what what is this saying about the Cowboys' most recent number one pick? <laughs> well, I think they're still wait and see mode for him, for Taco Charlton. I think uh, you didn't see a lot from him last year. I think he did play better in the last month of the season, but you know. We'll see how it develops in year two. I mean, they they believe you know he's heading in the right direction, and they believe they saw more from him late in the year. But um, you know, he didn't he didn't have big numbers, and he didn't he wasn't very effective at times in games. You know, kind of disappeared a lot of times. So I, it's, it's like we see, you know, like I say, like I said, we'll see in year two. You know how he develops. We we are assuming Demarcus Lawrence will be back, aren't we? Yeah, I don't think there's much of a doubt that he'll be back in some fashion. You know, they they're going to try to decide whether to do the franchise tag or, or try to get a long-term deal worked out. They really have a six-week window here they're working with to get a long-term deal done before the the uh, franchise tag deadline. Um, Stephen Jones said in, last week in Mobile that you know their emphasis is on getting a long-term deal in place without having to use the franchise tag. It obviously makes sense on that because he said it's all fully guaranteed money. It's going to be a bigger salary cap hit if you have to use that franchise tag for the one-year deal. Uh, I think I think ultimately they may have to go with the franchise tag. If you look at uh, Demarcus Lawrence's um, agent, David Cantor, uh, you know, Olivier Vernon, uh, they got the big deal. That was Cantor's uh, guy two years ago with the Giants. He got that huge contract where uh, he got more than $50 million guaranteed. Uh, I think they're gonna. He's gonna push for some big numbers here with uh, Demarcus Lawrence. The thing with Lawrence, he's coming off the two back surgeries, obviously, uh, and that's something that I think you know. I think they'll take a little bit less money for that reason, but I don't know how much less they'll go because Jerry Jones said in Mobile last week that you know he believes Demarcus Lawrence has no long term health issues with him. They they think the back is fine. Uh, so I guess he kind of got rid of that leverage uh, in negotiations. Yeah, I, I, I saw your comment on that in your story, Brandon. I thought it was very well placed, by the way. And, and uh, uh, you know, here's one of the things that's interesting to me. Uh, interesting to me, uh, besides the, some of these names we've talked about, uh, the two things. First of all, the Cowboys have spent and missed more picks on defensive ends in the Jerry Jones era than any other uh, position. You know, they they have spent more draft picks in the first couple of rounds on defensive ends. And only a couple have worked out all this time. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say that Taco Charlton will be a decent player, a rotational player, but he'll never be uh, a big-time defensive end. I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see the motor. I don't see the, uh, and I don't see the speed. Um, but, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, secondly, last week when you were there and just what you were talking about, it was interesting to me that Stephen seems to be taking uh, such a hard line uh, with, uh, with these contracts and, and things he's talked about. And, and, you know, not just a hard line for, you know, uh, bargaining position, you know, and, and to get leverage, but they, what he says makes sense. Just what you said about Demarcus Lawrence, why not just go ahead and tag him this year and wait and see if he has another year like this and then spend the money. Uh, that you have to spend on a long-term deal rather than trying to, to go to the mat this year with an agent who's going to try to get as much as he can after one really good year. And, and, and so no, I, because of that, I guess what I'm saying is how much, how much more power is Steven uh, kind of picking up here and how much is Jerry given? 
Well, I think it's interesting, uh, and you saw this play out in Mobile a lot from my conversations with both Stephen and Jerry. I mean, it's really Jerry's playing good cop and Stephen's playing yeah. bad cop, and, mm-hmm. and they're playing off each, they're really playing off each other. You're seeing it more and more. And I mean, I think Stephen's gained more power in the last five years. You know, I think gradually more and more each year. And I think uh, you know Jerry. I mean, Jerry really listens to him. I mean, they have a close, obviously a very close relationship, but he listens to him in, in a lot of ways and, and a lot more I think today than he did a decade ago. And so uh, certainly he has the power, you know, to affect things. And I think when he comes down to these contracts, he's really the one, you know, the main one to signing off on everything, really the one negotiating all this stuff. And uh, so really when you get into the negotiating room, it's really Steven, you know, driving the bus here. So, um, for, and, and I think you talk about the hardline approach. I mean, you saw that with, you know, Des Bryant. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he said he can get more out of that guy, right. you know, and, uh, you know, the Marcus Lawrence situation. I mean, he was, he was, he was basically the bad cop all week. And so, um, and he played this role, you know, gradually more and more the last five years. But it, as you saw it in Mobile, I think it's really become more striking that, you know, the good cop, bad cop relationship with Jerry and Steven. Are they, are they playing this game with David Irving also? Well, David, you know, a guy that's, uh, you know, probably going to be back. It's just, it depends on uh, what tender they put on him, a second-round tender. Some people, you know, throughout, it may be a first-round tender. I don't think they'll go there. I think it'll probably be a second-round tender with him. He's a restricted free agent. So, you know, he, they have all the power with him. You know, they can basically – another team can negotiate with David, but, you know, the Cowboys can match um, match it. And then if they allow him to go, then, then the other team would have to give up that, that pick, the second-round pick or whatever uh, tender they put on him. So, I mean, I think David will be back. And Steven said he didn't want to – um, he didn't. He couldn't see a long-term deal in place for David Irving. It makes sense. I mean, you look at last year; he was suspended the first four games of the season, and then the last four games he missed because of a concussion. He's never really been able to play an entire season without, you know, a health issue or some other kind of issue. And then, you know, the fact that he's kind of a wild card. He's one of these guys that he's unpredictable off the field. Uh, so, you know, I think they really want to see more from him before investing uh, long-term with David Irving. And, in, and, and, you know, I don't know if I hate to say this. I'm just uh, hesitant to say this. This has to make you feel good about where the Cowboys are going from a financial standpoint and managing their cap. Of course, they used to be – the cap was always a disaster. It has gotten a little bit better, I think, every year. Uh, what kind of shape are they in with the cap this year? Well, they're in better shape than they have been in recent seasons, but it's not significantly better. I mean, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll be, they'll have room to do what they need to do. And, but I still think, you know, talking to Steven, he basically said, you know, we're going to take the same approach. We're going to work the fringes of free agency and, uh, can try to find our own guys and then use the draft to build. So I don't, they're not going to really alter off that, that approach that they've had in recent seasons, kind of the philosophy that really Steven's adopted really in the last five years. And they, where they've had to really, they've had to, you know, enforce their hand really to clean up their cap because it's been such, Terrible situation with you know up against it, but no, they have, they have room to do it, and they can they can move a little bit of money around. There's not a lot of options to restructure deals. You know, really, you don't want to touch some of these deals. Like obviously, Dez, they want to restructure, but you know, Tyron Smith, a guy that has had health issues, I think they may want to slow down on restructuring his contract and pushing money off. When you look at you know the back issue, especially with him, and uh, and Tony Romo still counts, I believe, a little over eight million against the cap next year. Yeah, that's right. He's still on the cap uh, hit for this year. I think he comes off after this year. Yeah, that's, that's unbelievable. Um, but that's what happens when you pile up on a quarterback like that, and that's why it's important to develop your own quarterback. They get a little bit expensive. Speaking of which, uh, we had a big trade uh, just this week. 
that the uh, the Redskins made. You know, you never got the the uh, the opinion that uh, Jay uh, Gruden really liked Kirk Cousins. He just never really <laughs> wanted to commit to him. And I guess that was confirmed for us when they, he traded for Alex Smith uh, this week, uh, which uh, really was surprising to me. I mean, I like Alex Smith, but um, I don't think he's done anything more. To, if I was going to compare him to a quarterback in the in the NFL, I'd compare him to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> They seem like the same guy to me. Yeah, that's what I was. It was I was kind of confused by that too. I mean, I don't think there's much difference between those two. And then you know, you got uh, Cousins is about to be 30 years old. I guess he's going to be about what 27 million a year or so. And then uh, you know, you give up what a third round pick, and then a guy, and then a, a planted quarterback that's about to be 34 years old. And he, you know, he's going to cost about 23 and a half, 24 million dollars. So it's really about. Close to the same price for an older quarterback. That doesn't make a lot right. of sense either. No. Well, they they just didn't like Kirk Cousins. They wanted him. They were tired of dealing with him. Tired, yeah, but tired it's not like he's a bad guy. You know, I, whatever it is, it's it, it got personal with someone there. Maybe was, so. I don't personal. know. I, I, you know, you can't take this stuff personally, though. I mean, holy cow! Well, know? quick, quick Alex Smith story, real quick. We were I was covering a game in Kansas City a few years ago, and. We were walking uh, after a game, and Alex Smith came by with his wife, and his wife is just getting all into him about he needs to slide more. He needs to be sliding and not taking hits. And, You're kidding. And, and he, he, yeah, no, and he turns to her and he goes, and, you know, I, I, I did slide, I did slide. And he's like yelling, you know, yelling back at her. And she's oh like, my oh, you know, telling him to get down. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. That's good stuff. Yeah. He was in one of my favorite commercials, uh, Alex Smith was, when he played for the 49ers. It was a great what, commercial. What was the commercial for? You know, you're, the, you're not going to know, right? It was back when, back when uh, Harbaugh was the coach, too. And uh, you know, they, had a, they had a fan who got into the locker room, and he goes around and he gives, gives him a pep talk. It's a, it's yeah, a, I remember that. Commercial. That's a hilarious commercial. But, you know, my favorite <laughs> NFL commercial was uh, it featured the Chiefs, actually. The Chiefs? Yeah. What's yeah. that? And it was uh, the Snickers commercial when the guy painted the end zone, and he kind of messed it up, and at the end the guy said – Hey, that's great, but who were the chefs? <laughs> and it said, then you're going to be here a while? How about a Snickers? Yeah, so, yeah, that was my favorite NFL commercial. Um, as long as we're comparing NFL commercials, Barry. Yeah, there, there you uh, go. I, I got to go with the standard. The, the greatest commercial ever made. Oh, the Joe Green. Of course. Well, oh, be, be, because it's so great, you can't go with it? Well, no, but it's like a thousand years old. There's yeah. been a few good commercials since then. I'm not saying, but we're talking about the greatest. We're talking about what the best If they made that ever. one right now, people would go, oh, that's nice. Oh, come on. It was it was really good for back then. Yeah, it was. and I don't think it would be really that good now. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't go with that. All right, Brandon. Uh, uh, wait, we didn't ask Brandon about his favorite NFL commercial. And Brandon, I mean, this is a this is a what? pertinent topic. Okay, there we go. What what's a commercial? I mean, do they still watch commercials these days? Wow, Brandon. That's what they have. A team scores a touchdown, they go to commercial. Yeah. Then they come on oh, for the extra. Okay. Then they have they come on for the extra point. Then they go to commercial. Then the guy, then they kick off. Then they go to commercial. All right, Brandon. I'm gonna because you're at. We need to play up this thing that you're at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. So, who were your top five players from the Senior Bowl? Oh, you're gonna make me name five? Yeah, I don't give know me. if I can go that deep. Oh, come I didn't on. watch that. I didn't watch that many practices. How did Baker Mayfield look? No, he definitely to me definitely was the best quarterback there. I mean, you're talking about especially in team drills. I mean. The way he controlled team drills and, and uh, the way he executed, I thought was much better than these other quarterbacks. Josh Allen, he has a cannon for an arm. I mean, he he looks the part. Obviously, what he was six four, six five, and and uh, you know, so but he still he was inaccurate a lot of times. I was actually down in one of the end zones during uh, in some individual drills at one point, and this was 
um, they were the quarterbacks were throwing fade passes against air, and uh, Josh Allen was just having a really hard time keeping the ball in bounds, and so with the receivers, and he was just airmailing these fade passes consistently, and uh, yeah, that's kind of striking in a way. And then they, you know, talking to some of these scouts, they said basically he was inconsistent with his passes much you know, much of the week. Still, you know, you saw enough. They, they have enough obviously with him that they believe in this guy. They mean, obviously going to be high in the draft, but. Um, I would think the inconsistency in practices may have hurt him a little bit, but you know Mayfield, I thought, like I said, he stood out, and he didn't have to, you know, he didn't have to be there. They don't, the Senior Bowl doesn't get many Heisman Trophy winners, right? You know, down there, you know, usually you've proven yourself at that point. And he came down there and went to practices and actually even played in the game after he thought they thought he wasn't going to play in the game uh, on Saturday. And I think that tells you a little bit about him. You know, I, I know Baker can be a real pain. Uh, you know, I. I... I, I, I kind of go back with him a little ways. He and his father, all the way back when he started out at Texas Tech, and all, that was kind of a mess. Uh, but um, but I'll say this. That says a lot about him that he would want to go to the senior bowl. As you said, you don't get many Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, we had Chris Sims on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and one of the things he talked about that people are not seeing here, besides the fact, you know, obviously everybody sees that Baker's short, you know, for an NFL quarterback. Um, but he's tremendously accurate. Uh, and, you know, to me, that is the one thing you have to be as an NFL quarterback. It's really hard unless you have to, you know, you can correct a guy's fundamentals to make a guy accurate who's not particularly accurate. You know, I think that was one of one of the reasons why Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick. He had all the other things that you want in a quarterback, but not not wildly accurate in college. And they. And I know that they worked with him on some of those things, and, and they did improve his fundamentals somewhat and did improve his accuracy, but it's not one of his best attributes. So I, I really do think, uh, you know, Josh Allen's going to be a typical, well, he's big, got a great arm, let's, let's take him. I'm a little bit like Mike Leach. Uh, in the NFL, they, they have no idea what they want in a well, quarterback. Well, but Baker was there because he wanted to prove. He's out to prove. Yeah, sure that, he is. That, who, that he's sure a, he a top-notch quarterback. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the way to go. I think he needs to do that, and I think that, that he can. I think that, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me that, uh, that John Elway, um, one of the things he was asked about quarterbacks and what he's looking for, and especially in a young quarterback, if, if he's going to end up starting uh, as a rookie. He said, I'm looking for a guy with a personality. He said, you've got to have the personality for that. Well, who of the quarterbacks in college football last year had more personality than you think could handle – that kind of thing than Baker Mayfield. Absolutely. Does this, this, this all come back to Pat Mahomes, whose name we haven't mentioned yet? But he he was in front of Baker at at Tech, wasn't no, he? No, he was not. He was not. He came in after Baker yeah, he, transferred. Right. Came in after Baker transferred. Okay. His okay. his first year was 2014. Yeah. But he was there, wasn't he? No. Well, he may have he may have uh, he, was there. he may have come in enrolled in school yeah. that spring. Yeah, I, I think he was, uh, I think that might be Mayfield right. saw the saw right. the. Uh, Right well, I mean, wall. he saw he was – listen, I won five games and, and I got hurt, and then I, I don't get my job back. Right. When I come back, I, I think he took – they saw the handwriting on the wall here. The coach is not crazy about me. I'll say this about Cliff Kingsbury in that deal. He's had, he had three quarterbacks who were better than anybody – four quarterbacks better than anybody Texas has had since uh, Colt McCoy. Uh, he had Davis Webb. He had Mike Brewer. He had Pat Mahomes. And he had Baker Mayfield. And of all those guys – he ended up with the best one. You know, Mahomes. Mahomes is, was the best quarterback of that group, uh, just sheerly on ability and athletic ability and, and everything. He's, he's tremendous. And I think he's going to be a really good pro. He's the reason Alex Smith just got traded. Yes, that's trade. correct. Uh, I don't like the way Cliff Kingsbury handled that whole quarterback situation and the way he blocked uh, 
Baker Make from going to Oklahoma um, when he wanted to transfer. But uh, it was amazing that you could have that many quality quarterbacks. They all end up leaving except for Mahomes, and you, and you got the right guy. Kevin, a couple, a couple other guys in the Senior Bowl that I guess I'll mention real quick is Isaiah Wynn, the offensive guard at Georgia. I thought he had a really good week. A lot of, people, a lot of scouts are really high on him. And, uh, you know, obviously coming from Georgia, great program there, right, Evan? Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> Evan just woke up and, uh, when you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, just bring in Georgia. Uh, now, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma defensive end slash yeah. outside linebacker. Right. Uh, he, you know, he had a pretty good week of practices, too. But, you know, a lot of people think he's like a tweener top. Yeah, because he's six one, two forty three. But you know, people love his his fire and his his, his he he's got that motor that everybody looks for in a defensive end. And uh, you know, he 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 didn't start playing football until he was a junior in high school. So obviously, uh, still really room to grow, I guess, in his game. But I mean, he I think he's a guy that had a good week. And then I thought the receiver Oklahoma State receiver James Washington was pretty solid too. Um, he probably was as good as any receiver down there for his consistency. His big question, like all these Oklahoma State guys, are these guys from. He's about route running, and, and could he you know show more in his route running? And obviously, it may sound familiar with uh, Cowboy fans with Des Bryant being Oklahoma State. And you question the guy's route running, but uh, James Washington really, I thought, had a really good week, and uh, I think he's a guy that he's he's kind of on the short end. He's like five eleven, two ten. So I think uh, you know you look at him as a uh, intriguing prospect. You replace one Oklahoma State guy with another with the Cowboys, but you know he's that deep threat that you know the Cowboys probably need a little bit more of. And the last guy I'll mention is Shaquem Griffin, you know, linebacker, Central Florida. You guys are probably familiar with his story. He's got yes. one hand, uh, so he had his left hand amputated. I mean, he, he actually got named practice player of the week at the Senior Bowl. And he was, uh, he was watching some of the drills with him. I mean, it's just unbelievable what he gets done, obviously playing with one hand. I mean, he was just – his motor, he has a high motor. And he was just, you know, his spin moves and things on the edge when they had him – he put him in defensive end at times. Uh, they line him up on the line because uh, the Texans were letting him, you know, uh, practice in in the uh, four three scheme sometimes, and they put him on the line, and he was just getting by these offensive lines. He'd blow past tackles at times, and so I think you know he's going to get drafted, and it's it's, it's interesting. He just got the combine invite, and uh, he didn't actually have an, a combine invite before he went to the senior bowl, but he's going to be at the combine now. Yeah, you know, it's, everything I've read about Griffin indicates that at the very least he plays special teams for a long time. In the NFL, right? He, he's actually training too. And I should have mentioned the Michael Johnson Performance Center. Really? Up in, uh, was it McKinney? Yeah, he's actually he's actually there uh, training uh, leading up to the draft. Oh, that's cool. So, did your work earn you a trip to the combine? Now, I am not going to the combine. We're going to be double it with two of two of my colleagues, but uh, I will not be at the combine. No, I, you I guess really I let us down. Myself. You really let us down. I really did. I really did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Brent, I want you to answer this question for me because this is very interesting. Um, you know, I, everybody wants the Cowboys to draft a defensive player in the first round or a wide receiver in the first round. And, and you know, so they want them to draft a defensive player or an offensive player, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it, my thinking is is that as it is always, you take the best player who's there in the first round because they can use somebody anywhere. And let me ask you this about the offensive line. Two things. Was Jonathan Cooper a disappointment at left guard, and was Lyle Collins a disappointment at right tackle? Well, they they were pretty happy with the way Lyle Collins played at right tackle for the most part. I mean, there were I mean, obviously there were times where uh, he struggled, but they overall they were pretty happy with what they saw. And I don't I don't think they're going to move him from that that spot now. I think they're going to stick with him over there. Uh, Cooper uh, was more inconsistent, and uh, I don't know if I'd call him a disappointment necessarily, but. 
you know, he's really a guy that's just, you know, a former first round pick that's really never stuck anywhere. And, right. Uh, so I think, I think, I mean, I don't think they'll have a problem going and drafting an offensive guard. Now, I don't know, I don't think necessarily they'll use a first round pick on an offensive lineman this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, one of their top picks, you know, first couple of rounds was, was an offensive guard. I think they could go in that direction. Yeah. I wondered if they would do that or more, look at more of a swing player because we saw what a disaster it was when Tyron Smith went out. And uh, and the and the guys that went in after that, Chaz Green was a disaster, and and uh, oh my. Uh, yeah, that has to be an emphasis. Yeah, swing tackle has to be an emphasis for them. They have to find figure that out. I mean, let's be honest; it probably cost Frank Pollock, the offensive line coach, his job. Yeah, uh, this off season. So yeah, I think that's going to be an emphasis. They'll be looking for that that position, and they may they may find that player in free agency. You know, talk about working the fringes. That would be working the fringes, and maybe they they had that player in free agency. Brandon, did you uh, have you met many of the new? I, I know some of the guys were just elevated. You know, uh, they they went from one position to another one on the Cowboys staff. But have you met all the new coaches on the Cowboys staff? I have not met all all of the new coaches. I mean, a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I know the internal coaches uh, fairly well, uh, but you know, they haven't had any kind of uh, media availability for these new guys. Like, you know, Paul Alexander, the offensive line coach, who came from the Bengals, and uh, and then, but you know, I think that. That will happen probably early in the off season, or if they decide to do some kind of press conference. But yeah, obviously Kellen Moore, Ben Bloom, these guys, uh, Keith O'Quinn, that's the new special teams coordinator. I mean, all these guys are internal promotions. So yeah, the I'm new linebackers coach. Yeah, that was yeah, Ben Bloom's a new linebackers coach. Right. What do you what do you what do you yeah. think it it says about Jason Garrett? I think it says something about Jason Garrett. I'm not sure what it says that all these guys were elevated rather than going outside and bringing in established uh, people. Does it? Do you think well, it's maybe? I don't maybe know. It's really, you're saying he prefers a comfort zone. Well, a comfort zone. I think there's, I think there's two ways of looking at that, okay. and it, I, I think you deal with this really with the hierarchy of any team. And one is the comfort zone thing that Brandon mentions, um, uh, and, and that's the easy way to look at it. Is hey, clearly he's comfortable with these guys. He doesn't want to take the difficult spot step of going out and finding somebody. The other side of it is. Coach hires staff, trusts his staff. You know, you, you talk about the idea of you hire good people, you put them in place, you let them do their jobs. And, and so uh, we can criticize Jason, and I've criticized Jason, but I do think that the other side for, for the coach, from the coach's perspective is going to be I hire these people, I believe in them, I'm going to elevate them. And, uh, you know, the ultimate defense on that is is success. If they're successful, great. If not, then you say, hey, here's a coach who is too afraid to step out of his out of his comfort zone and hire somebody with potentially a well, different I, point I, of view. I think it's, he's going into a very important year in his career. Absolutely. And he, and he wants to surround himself with people he knows. That that would be my or people Or people he trusts. I mean, he, yeah. he, he trusts their, their decision-making process. He trusts their input. Um, and again, it's you know it, it, the perception becomes a reality. If they're successful, great deal for him. If not, then it's going to be part of the downfall of why Jason Garrett won't be here. Yeah, and I think what you have a lot of times is that's what bugs fans. You know, uh, so they went out and got a guy who was one of the most well-respected offensive line coaches in the NFL, and Paul Alexander. Right. You know, Sports Illustrated said a couple of years ago he might be you know the best offensive line coach in the league. Uh, so. That was uh, one guy he went and got. That's what they said about Bill Callahan. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, Bill and, Callahan and let, did a great job. Let's also say this, because I've been through this with Rangers fans on, on this side of it, on the Mike Maddox versus Doug Brokale thing, sure. and, and, and the litany of hitting coaches that we've had over the last 10 years here. Um, 
coaches get way too much credit and yeah. way too much blame. I still yeah, think I, I still think that by and large, and, and maybe I'm overstating this in baseball, but I think even when you're talking about techniques and things in football, it's still basically a communication job, and it's getting the message through. These players all know how to play the technique. They all have the skills when they get to the NFL. It's a question of communicating and getting the message across and how you actually unlock a player's maximum potential. Um, and, and so making some guy a wizard – uh, whether it's a pitching coach or an offensive coordinator, not sure I buy that anymore. Yeah, well, I was, what I was going to say is that you know they so it, it, you everybody says well what if what if you go out and get the next bright coach? Well, maybe one of these guys is sure. For, I, you know, I, I don't know. I wasn't trying. And to that's, I think, no, no, I know, I just, no, no, no. I, I, but I, I do think that's that's how we tend to look at it. Is it, it it's one of two things, and and the easy thing for for us to say in talking sport is clearly. He's not, you know, he's not comfortable, or he's he's not uh, willing to step out of his comfort zone. But I also think, from the coach's perspective, it would be, listen, I hired these guys, I trust these guys, I did step out to hire them, and I believe in them now. Yeah. So, um, and, and you ride with why these would you guys. Wanna, my question was, why? I mean, these coaches, why would you take a job in in, in Dallas? You know, with Jason maybe being on his last yeah. leg, I mean, yeah, I think that was right. something too. When you look at these outside guys, they feel like, man. This guy didn't make the playoffs in 2018. You know, I, I may lose my job. I may lose another job. So I good. think that may have played a part. It's a very good point. Good point. I, I think that's true, but I also think coaches are crazy. They line up for any job. They, to, be, to be a Cowboys coach. A better job. Uh, yeah, they're getting a better job. They, they'll take them. They're, they'll do anything. But you're, but you're right. I think that this is a – I mean, that's, this is always the last – you know, straw for any coach, and I'm getting rid of my staff before they get rid of me. Right. Uh, I mean, and there's less security right now in Dallas than there are in in a number of other NFL spots. But you still look at the Cowboys. You look at the talent they have. You look at the fact that yeah, they went 13 and three in 2016. Listen, nine and seven was considered a disaster. Right. You know, when with their their best player out for six games. Right. You know, so uh, I, I think that this team, uh, I'd be surprised if this team doesn't go a couple rounds in the playoffs next year. Uh, what what was that? Barry, you have a Twitch? No, I was that, that was my – maybe it's time to wrap he up. Does well, we've got some talking. breaking news here that I oh, need to run by everybody okay. Um, okay. very quickly. This is important stuff. Brandon, you're going to be very sorry you're not at the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> apparently, there was a little dust-up on Radio Row this morning. Another one? Uh, really? I did, I did hear about this. You did hear about this one? Your friend, <laughs> Kevin, John McClain. John McClain, the general? The general? Was uh, on his, on his regular ba- weekly show on Former Ballsy Guest. Yeah. On 610, and, um, which is one of the Houston talk radio shows. Right. And apparently one of the, uh, with which is um, 790 is the other talk radio station in Houston. So we're talking they have ticket a host, and fan. Yeah. And they have a host named Josh Innes, who I've never heard of, but apparently is a, I think he's a real provocative prick. guy. Yeah. Provocateur. Uh, what was your word? Prick. <laughs> yeah. Didn't John Hart call you that one time? Yes, he did. Um, is that prick still in town? And apparently... Well, he, pe- he pegged you. Yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> and apparently Josh Innes came over, started recording it, started recording the show, got into it with the host. What? Somehow Landry Locker, another former ballsy guest who likes to refer to the national championship game as... The Natty. <laughs> natty. Um, no, no, that wasn't Landry Locker. That was uh, uh, Ian, Ian Fitzsimmons. Oh, Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm but, sorry. But, Land, but Landry Locker was here in Dallas. Correct. Yes, was, was in Dallas. And he got involved. So there was a very large kerfuffle uh, on, on Radio Row this morning. 
And uh, apparently the general had to just like walk off the show. He said it was the most unprofessional thing he's witnessed in 43 years. I cannot believe that that guy walked over for a competing station and was trying to record it while he was on that station. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah, apparently he stuck, stuck the cell phone in the face of the, the host or something. Like Correct. But he got what he wanted. Oh, my god! He got what he wanted. And the host, the hosts are um, Seth Payne, who used to play for the Texans, I believe. Yeah. And Mike Meltzer. And... He he did the doing he did the prickly provocation. Oh my gosh! So uh, wow. this is the stuff you should be on, Barry. Why aren't you starting these things because, and covering them? Because I've never heard of <laughs> anybody you mentioned now, except, except for John. I know, but you could have like you could have gone up there and gotten in Gordon Keith's face or something. It could have started something. Gordon Keith, have you ever seen Gordon Keith? Gordon Keith is a large man. <laughs> what are you saying? You're scared of Gordon Keith? Yes. He's scared Physi- of everybody. I'm, fi- I'm, fi- I'm scared of a physical confrontation with... He's scared of Alex Smith's mo- uh, wife, aren't you? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Was she carrying a purse? I love that story, Brandon. I I, I, I would have loved to have uh, worked that into a story at some point. Did <laughs> he she hit him with- badgered by his wife about sliding. You gotta slide! Did he take a knee? Did he, did, did he slide oh, while she was gosh. yelling at him so he could get out of the way? No, he, he didn't stop. He, he kept walking. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> let, me, let me just say this, and I think I've made this point on or stated this opinion on previous ballsies, but uh, I don't know how good a quarterback Alex Smith is, and I know that there's some similarity to Kirk Cousins, but um, I'd take just about anybody over Kirk Cousins. I am not a Kirk Cousins no, fan. don't like I, him. I, is I just, it because he went to Michigan State? No, just every time I've seen him, I just feel like, you know, he doesn't play very good, and I think playing good is important. Well, he put up good numbers. He's, he's he put up pretty good, good numbers, yeah, surprisingly good, good numbers. I think, I tell you what, I really – if if I'm the Browns, I sign him, and then I just say we've we've solved but if, our if quarterback. If you're Kirk Cousins, why would you sign up well, for that? I'm, I'm, the money, yeah, the money. I mean, I, I'm sure there'll be. I'm sure he's going to have his. He's considered the the best free agent quarterback available, right? So, I mean, I don't. But seen, it's also that it's it's also a fairly weak. Yeah, free it is. Agent quarterback, it but. is. But I mean, there's been rumors, you know, about maybe the Giants might even stick their necks out on something like. That. I think that's crazy myself. Because I think that that Eli's still good enough to last him another year or so. And, and the last thing, and, I, they, and they have who 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 do they, they have? Davis Webb. Davis Webb. Yeah. I'm trying to tie everything up. You are really doing yeah. a great job. Of and, and I'm going to tie everything back together because I'm going to end this on a sad note. Oh, that no. we we were talking about great sports people from Alabama, and a great sports person from Alabama did pass away this morning, um, from Raymer, Alabama, which is in the center part of the state. Uh, Oscar Gamble, former Texas Oscar Rangers. Gamble, Oscar my Gamble. gosh. Passed away this morning at the age of 68. Yes. Oh, does he still have the fro? That's what he I did not. Th- he no longer had the fro. Oh, what? That was the greatest fro in the history of Major League Baseball. It was Baseball. the greatest afro in all of Major League Baseball. Charlie Spikes was probably a close second, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but nobody compared to Oscar Gamble. And he played briefly for the Rangers as well. Yeah, I, didn't, I don't know if I remember that. I remember that. Wow, everybody that? everybody played for the Rangers in the in the well, dusk of their career. Yeah, pretty much. Brandon's wondering what the heck is going on with this podcast. Yeah, it, how did we get on the A? Well, you know, we started the year off with Reiner Saban talking Alabama football for some reason. Yeah, so, that's right. Uh, we shouldn't have told Brandon we had Reiner on. We had Reiner on. We, wait, wait, wait. We had Reiner on. Hey, I'm after Reiner on this. Brandon, let me just say this. In the pecking order, it's Reiner and then you. This Brandon. is how Barry, yeah, okay. this is how Barry <laughs> sold Kevin and I on this. He said, hey, we got Saban from Alabama. Yeah. That's, I did say that. You bought it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. great. And next thing I know, you know, it's, it's Reiner. Yeah. So, um, 
but I thought it would be, I thought it'd be good because so I, I I missed this I missed the podcast I was, I was Barry set up the podcast and then he and he, it didn't come he skedaddled that yeah. sounds about right yeah it is. <laughs> I'm sorry you're right about that I'm sorry all right Brandon well this has been great talking about the great state of Alabama with you um and uh, yeah, some Cowboys. Week. And uh, getting in the most important thing about the Super Bowl, which is fights on slap fights on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Oh that's what that's what the game is all about, right? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. I, I bet there's video of this everywhere. So you know, my first year here was '97, and I was you missed the glory years of the Cowboys. I was here three weeks, right? And they sent me to the Super Bowl, where I was apparently replacing Richard Justice, another former ballsy <laughs> guest. Yeah, who had been at the paper for what about a week and a half? Yeah, he had lunch here, and so Covered but the he Cowboys, still never game, he still went to the Super Bowl and apparently still claimed the room that was then supposed to be mine. Anyway, um, it, it's in New Orleans, right? He's bitter. I'm Who's, in New who, Orleans. Who was played that year? Uh, Green Bay and New England. Okay, and um, to tie this all back together because New England's in the Super Bowl again, right? But uh, always in the Super Bowl, but. Gordon came up to me when he did one of his wireless bits uh, in media in the media center, and I had no idea who he was, and I just knew he was from the ticket. At that point in time, we had kind of a prickly relationship with the ticket, and all I was told was, like, you know, steer clear of the ticket, guys. So I was like, uh, no, get away from me. Um, so every time I hear him wireless from the Super Bowl, that flashes back through my mind. If he came up to you today, would you say that? I would say, Gordon, You'd say, Mr. Keith. Let me be on the air. Oh I'm available gosh. for bar mitzvahs. <laughs> That's disgusting. Mardi Gras parties. Brandon, it's been great having you on, man. We're glad you're back. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I'm going to try to take a little bit more time off and talk to some other people this week. Try to, so we'll recover, try to recover from this podcast. All right, Brandon. Yeah, you, yeah, get to some, you go get to some time off and um, enjoy <laughs> it. Bye, right. Brandon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, there goes Brandon George. You know, he's a great one, isn't he? He is. I love that accent. Yeah. He's funny. He sounds, I, I, he sounds, he sounds like a UTA Texan. guy. He sounds like a Texan. Yeah. Where's he from? No, I what? think he's from Arlington. Maybe. No. Brandon, where are you from? He's not here. He's not talking no. to the media anymore. Um, I don't think he is. Speaking of accents, what do you got going on with your voice? I'm a little sick. I'm a little under the weather. What's wrong with you? You know, this is the third time this winter I've had this stupid uh, stuff. The stuff? You got the stuff. I got the stuff, yeah. yeah. Oh. Third time. I'm sick of it. Anyway, I'm going to be all right. You know, Gina's been Under up and down all winter, too. Has the, she? Uh, lovely we, the lovely. The lovely Gina, lovely. yeah. She's had, she had lovely the. Lovely Mrs. Grant. She had the full-blown flu. Um, really? Yeah, and I'm going to. Yeah, we um, but we dodged it in our house. We went like the whole homeopathic route, and we uh, homeopathic. Yes, really? we dodged it. I was drinking black elderberry syrup like it was Boone's Farm. And <laughs> elderberry was, syrup? Were you wearing your apron when you when you drank it? Absolutely. And then uh, oh I took gosh. this. Um, I can't even pronounce it, but it's uh, Asacilla oxinum. Which is oh some other homeopathic gosh. remedy? Are you, are you giving out medical advice? And we oh. dodged it. It was amazing. So I'm now like completely on the homeopathic uh, oh route. I have, you know, I have a friend of mine who is a, who is a, a doctor who does that, and he has a hyper he has a hyperbaric uh, chamber as well. He's always wanting me to come and get in that thing with I him. Said, no, I said I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I'm not doing that. Right. They have treated he's treated Dirk Nowitzki. Well, you know the Asacilla oxidum thing comes from. I, I took it for is the that first like, time. Is that like breaking your cockix? Yes, it's very similar. That's but you know who Napoleon first recommended that I take that many, many that? years ago? Who's that? Um, 
clown cousin um, who also is kind of a practicing amateur homeopath. <laughs> or a psychopath. And so she she recommended that. Nick, you should, should tell everybody that, that your cousins are, are professional clowns. Right? Yes. Well, we've been through this before. For I, those who are regular those... listeners, that yes, the cousins um, juggled uh, at my wedding and knocked a paper flower out of my wife's mouth. Jug- juggled and, at the wedding. And, and, you know, it's a family tradition. And then the next year when a younger cousin of mine, their niece, got married up in the D.C. area, we were up there, and they reenacted this with her new groom who happened to be a secret service agent at the moment and they hit him with the juggling <laughs> oh no it's apparently the first time in 30 years of doing this that they've ever hit somebody but which uh, is not yeah. much comfort to the person who's been hit no but he, he didn't go down anybody. greg didn't go down he uh he's secret service man he, did he's he, tough did he talk immediately into his lapel was, yeah. was everybody surrounded no no every, every, everything and your, was and your cousin the clown has not been seen since <laughs> everything is, is fine the, the clowns are doing fine one of the clowns just had hip replacement and is out like fishing like six weeks later on a boat riding his bicycle all over key west the clowns are amazing. Is it like people. a unicycle? He has a unicycle, but when he rides around town, he rides on an actual cycle. Now his car fits fifteen people, <laughs> but they all have to be wearing little fezes. Yeah, yeah. I ne- listen, and I never want to ride with them. I always say that I'm not riding with your cousin. Okay, not doing it. I, I have a lot of clown cousins too, but they're not professional and they don't mean to be. Wow. They won't be wow. listening to this. I can see Did that. I tell you, I watched a, a serious man the other night, and I thought about you while I'm watching the whole thing. Because I'm a serious man? No. You did tell me about that. You told me about that yesterday. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. I, I said, hey, Cohen is that Brothers a Coen Brother? Yeah. 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 Not one of my favorites. But, but I got to tell you this. I, wanna, I think it helps a lot if you're Jewish. I just want to tell you this. That. I went to see Shape of Water this weekend. Yeah. I went in there wanting to hate the movie, and I didn't. I loved it. That was really good. I'm going to go see a movie this week. What are you going to see? I think we're going to go see The Post. Have you? Have you it's a good movie. It's good, but not great. Have you? Have you seen Shape of Water? No, I won't go see that. Why? I don't see I, because you, you're like me. I don't need Love with the Blue Lagoon, Creature from the Blue it, Lagoon. It, I don't it, need it. Black it, Lagoon. Is what Black Lagoon. Blue Lagoon was. Uh, <laughs> was her name? <laughs> Brooke Shields. I think you would have had no problem with that. <laughs> making love with that creature. But the the creature from the Black Lagoon is the one you were aiming for. Um, but it was, it, was, it was I did the most stunning one eighty from the time I sat down in the chair in the, in it's the just really time well I got up, and I, and I just loved it. It's uh, it's really well done. I was you know, stunned. It's, it's a lot. It's very fanciful, like a lot of the last few years of the movies. Like like uh, one of my favorites was a Birdman. Birdman, uh, yeah. very very similar to that in a way. You know, we just Much don't prettier. go see movies. Oh, I love it. And we, we need to go. We, we need should, to start. Uh, Gina wants to go see a movie this week, so we'll go see a movie before I go to Springfield. <laughs> you should go see I, Tanya. See that. Uh, I would not be I against do. that, but she wants to go see The Post. and I, she. So we'll do that. The Post is good. Because let me tell you something. Here's, here's how it works. If she says we're going to do something, then, do. or if she says I think we might, I might like to go see this, and that's what we're going to so do. So that is, is that a dem- is that her way of demanding something? I listen. I get like, I get to pretty much choose wherever we eat. She's very good about that. So if she wants well, to go she see knows this particular take a good movie, place. yeah, yeah. But, but we she, went but to when uh, you're out getting some to eat. There's always choices. We yeah. you know we had very good um, Sunday meal. Where was that? A new spot at Mockingbird Diner. Mockingbird Diner, really? Where mm-hmm. is that over there in Mockingbird that, Station? No, it is directly across from Love Field. Really? Really? On Mockingbird, brand new. Huh. Um, 
Oh, Brian's giving us the let's go, boys. Um, anyway, I had fried chicken there on Sunday afternoon. Was it good? It was very good. And then the next day, it was like twelve ninety nine for five pieces of chicken. Wow. It was a big bird. Wow. And then the next day, so I still had two pieces left over and cold. That chicken was redonkulous. Really? Yeah. Was it healthy? No, oh, yeah. not at all. Okay. Yeah. But they also had great green bean casserole, and Gina had a uh, meatloaf sandwich. Wow. Yes. Wow. Did y'all fly anywhere after? No. After uh, but well, we here's the breaking news: We'll be doing the podcast next week from our new sponsor, the Mockingbird, Mockingbird Diner. Diner. Yeah. Mockingbird Diner, owned by Jack Perkins, who um, oh, also yeah. owns Maple and Motor. Oh, I thought you were going to say that the, the guy that was on Mutual of all no, the Wild, Wild Kingdom. Kingdom. That's Marlon Perkins. Oh, Marlon Perkins. I think his son was Jack Perkins. There no. was a Jack Perkins involved. Yeah, let me get this. No, Jack was the uh, was the other guy. That was Marlon was always saying Jack's back there wrestling with the Burmese python. <laughs> I think Jack is the one that was on Seinfeld that time when Kramer had. That's exactly who it was. The set. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that was Jack. Yeah. Mutual of Omaha, which. Also instilled in me the great fear of sea snakes, but that's another podcast it episode. Is. Brian, when, when you put the podcast up, you can cut this off anywhere you want. Yeah, that's true. All right. We got to go because we got, we got Chuck Carlton coming up talking about- uh, A lot of a lot serious of issues. Yeah. Yeah, transfer stuff. On. Okay. All right. We'll see you all in a little bit. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.